strange attraction, mass psychology, synchronicities, and occulted realities. Welcome to the Friday Farcast with Robert Phoenix. All right. Hey, what's happening, everybody? It's me, Robert Phoenix, and we are back for another edition of the Friday Farcast. Sorry, it's um, a little on the tardy side. Uh, we uh, it's a, it's an Aquarian moon. It's a kooky, wacky, expect the unexpected, Aquarian full moon, and uh, so I had to kind of plan today's show on the fly a little bit because the original guest, who was uh, Professor Daryl uh, Hamamoto. Uh, is not going to be on the show today. I don't know why, Um, but it is an Aquarian moon. So expect the unexpected. Now that said, I do have a replacement guest and uh, she'll be joining us here in about uh, 10 minutes. So um, there's a bit of a theme. I'm trying to stay with a bit of a theme with the guest, but it's a different kind of theme. It's how the Aquarian thing goes. So before my guest, uh, Noreen Helpand, who has a, a, a show, a radio show on RBN, uh, which is a, a an internet website that does radio. She has a show there uh, called The Helping Hand. I was not, no, it's Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart is her uh, show on RBN. And... I've actually been on her show a couple of times. She's interesting. Noreen is really interesting. So I think we're going to try to get into some strange Hollywood stuff. She also knows a lot about astrology. So I think we'll maybe talk about some astrology and her own, her own personal journey, which is pretty interesting. And um, she's dealing with, and she's been very open and very public about the fact that she's dealing with Morgellons. So we'll talk about that. And this is completely unplanned, but uh, I communicate with Noreen on, on a fairly frequent basis. I send her links to stuff and, you know, she'll text me back and what do you think of this? What do you think of that? So we'll have a good basis and foundation for, I think, connecting and communicating. And this, it'll be interesting. We'll see where this goes. I kind of like chaos, right? You kind of, something happens, you, you pivot and... You see where things go, which um, is kind of like our world currently. So before we bring Noreen on, there there is a little bit of business and order of business that um, we can take care of here in the interim. The first order of business is, of course, giving a shout out to the show's sponsor, uh, which is True Hemp Science and let me just get the uh, website up here. True Hemp Science uh, is a business that is run by my buddy, Christopher Lynch. And I've known Christopher for quite a while now. And I started to um, watch his development as somebody who was very interested in the chemistry of hemp and CBD. And also as a business person, 
and I think he started to really jump into this about five years ago. And now he has a, a shop located in Austin, which I've frequented a number of times. And uh, he's a sponsor of the show and has been since March. And the, let me get to the uh, website here, the Trium Science website, because it's a cool looking website. It's a good visual. And the results in terms of his sponsorship and people's um, experience with the CBD has been off the charts. I mean, off the charts. And this is, so when I, when I talk about his CBD and true hemp science, yes, I'm talking about the CBD, but there's more that goes into it that, than that. Christopher is somebody you can, reach, talk to, he will absolutely break down how the product works, how a specific product within his product line works. And uh, he, he's just incredibly generous with his time. You know, he loves what he does because that's what people who love what they do do, right? They're generous with their time. I got a, I got a text from somebody uh, who has actually ordered some product from Chris. And she said, another thing about THS, Chris has the nicest people working for him, have spoken with Marsha and today, Nate. So even if you don't get Chris, you'll get somebody at a shop who has the same level of commitment to providing these high quality CBD products, which are great for inflammation and actually doing a reset in your body. If you practice taking the CBD long enough, you'll get the reset effect inside of your body. So here's the deal. If you purchase $100 worth of True Hemp Science product, you will get free product thrown in. Now, as you can see here, this is the link to where you need to go in order to get it. TrueHempScience.com backslash ref backslash 23. Once you're ready to check out, put in one five capital M I N S. And Chris will know that you're coming from this website. So that, uh, or this broadcast and he'll, he'll apply your goodies. And if you get $150 or more on the CBD side of things, you get free shipping. Okay. So there's that. Uh, I got another order of business, and it has to do with the event that's coming up in October here in the Hill Country with myself, uh, David Palmer, and some other very cool activities, uh, TBD, to be determined. David is going to show up. He's going to speak. I'm going to speak. Uh, we have some surprises in store. Uh, this last week, I got uh, confirmation that our friend Masaki Miyagawa will be attending. And he's actually going to do a little music for us. It's going to be on Saturday night. David's going to do some electronic, groovy, ecstatic, trancy-dancy music. But before David takes us out to the uh, outer regions, 
of the Rings of Uranus, uh, Masaki is going to lay down some tasty, tasty lounge and down-tempo grooves as we move from our, our Saturday night dinner into the Saturday night space. And I'm so glad Masaki is going to be there and um, mixing up a musical cocktail for us as a lead into David Palmer. So some good things are going to happen, right? Some good stuff is going to happen. Let me show you the, uh, where you need to go to sign up and take care of business. You go to my website, robertphoenix.com and this is the link you want to go to right here. Gives you all the information, October 14th uh, through the 16th. So people usually come in on Thursday and then they pack out on Monday. So the 14th is Friday, obviously the 15th is Saturday, 16th is Sunday. We have activities, talks, food, all kinds of good stuff planned. Music, um, we'll do the Friday forecast on that Friday live from the event. It's always a cool thing. So here's the details. Here's David. He'll be showing up. He's been uh, just doing great work, busting down some doors astrologically, as he always does. There's the beautiful Guadalupe River, and hopefully we have some rain by then so we can hang out down by the river. There is the hotel at night. Big, beautiful, Olympic-sized pool. There's another pool that's outside of the property within walking distance overlooks the river. We have access to both those pools. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend and I hope you can attend. So all the details are here on this website, my website, which is um, the uh, robertphoenix.com backslash harvest moon hyphen 2022. And you got three days to get in at this price level after three days. Well, three days from now. So on Monday, that's going to go up. All right. So it looks like uh, Noreen has popped in. So let's, uh, let's bring her on to the show. Let's see if she can get her camera situation. Going. Yeah. I, excuse me. I was going to say, it looks like it got unplugged. Let me, let me try to, this is what I mean about this. Ah, anyway. Oh no, it's not. Well, this is strange. Hmm wonder what's going on <laughs> i don't know what's going on with it do you have do you have like a little sticker over your your camera on your computer oh, wait 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 yes hold on liz gave me a oh what happened <gasps> what happened oh my goodness is that is that what happened did you have a sticker on your your little camera oh no i think i'm on now you I are think i'm on all right so yeah get a better frame up there so this is our first time i the first time i've actually seen you no, yes. really? Yeah. Okay. Now you're out of the you're out of the frame. Now you're out of the frame. Come back a little bit. That's awful lighting. I absolutely hate this lighting. A little bit further. We'll move it back. I'm playing director now. I got the Hollywood sign behind me. Move your camera back a little bit further, so we can get more can of your head. In no, the camera. Oh. It's your screen. Tilt your screen back. There you go. That's better. All right. I except, hate this lighting, but anyway. Acceptable. What? Well, so what could you do about? It? it looks like it's coming from a window. Let me let me see what I can do. Put a put a curtain over it or something. Okay. Yeah, that's better. Okay. 
All right. That's better. How are you? Fine. I don't like this webcam. I mean, I need a better quality because it's just not anyway, but okay. Well, that's okay. It's fine. Thank you for being here and being willing to jump on at the last moment. Oh, thanks. I gave people a little bit of an intro about you, um, but just a little bit. Uh, and that, that you have a radio show on RBN called Wild no, at Heart. Not RBN. What is Rev it? Rev Radio. Rev Radio. My bad. Rev Radio. Okay. You know, it, I'm, you know, I, I kind of stopped listening to Rev Radio. I don't blame you. I mean, we got good shows, but there's some issues technically. But yeah, I mean, we're always improving. But I really like your show. And, you. and, and if I was up that late on a Monday night, I would listen to your show. I don't, but yeah, I get it. I appreciate you've been on like a few times. That's great. Yeah. And you're a really great hostess on that show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, and I, and I like um, the fetch. I like the fetch on Rev Radio. Me too. Really good. Um, so here we are. And I also, told, I also told people about, because you've been very open about this with your, your battle with the old morgues, the old Morgellons. Um, and we could talk about that if yeah. you want, we could talk about it if you want, but that's not the main reason why, um, I wanted to have you on. I feel like you'd be a good person to talk about some high strange stuff and kind of get oh, into, that. that's right. So I thought we could get into a little of the high strange and, um, cause you are in LA, which is again, why I have this Hollywood sign <laughs> behind me. And yeah, I'm I, actually adjacent to LA cause you know how sprawling and large Southern California area is. So I'm in Orange County, right on the border of Long Beach. Okay. So I am close to LA County, def definitely. Right, so you're in the Magic Kingdom. Yeah. Right. Um, so today I sent you the video of the whole Ann Hetch thing, mm -hmm. which is really bizarre. It's like complete, we've had a lot of these weird car crashes. Yeah. Like like over the last couple of weeks, there was um, the uh, GOP rep, what's her name, uh, Karno Karnowski, uh, the woman who got into a car crash, like an actual GOP rep, th th two other members of her staff, then the other person who, who hit her head on, like mm -hmm. they were dead. There was another car crash, I think also in the LA area that was kind of out of control. There was another one in Texas where a woman went out of control. And now we had the Ann Hetch car crash, which again, was really bizarre. So for people that aren't familiar with what happened, there was an event that happened prior to that accident where she backed into something and then she wound up launching her car into this house. And let me see if I can play um, the video that I sent you, which is really bizarre. And it has Ann Hetch um, being put into a gurney. And then you can see her trying to break out of the gurney. Let me see if I can find, I wasn't really prepared to go to this video because I had a whole different uh, thing set up for, my guest who didn't show. So just give me a second to find the video and then I'll play the video and then we can kind of get into the video and riff on 
you know, some of these things that we think uh, might be happening. So let me just find it. So here's, here's a, here's, this is weird. So Anne Hatch visited a Venice wig salon moments before her crash. What do you think is up with that? That's weird, right? Almost like a, like a disguise goal. I don't know. Wig, you think of disguises or something? Well, the, you know, I think of like um, disguises and Brit- Britney Spears and how she wanted to get rid of her hair. Right. And so why would she go to a, a wig salon? Let me, let me just play this video. Let me pop this video open and um, we can play it and we can begin to comment on it. All right. I wasn't so this sure is- how my background looked because it's just so like last minute that I'm thinking, does anything look odd in the background, but whatever. <laughs> Yeah, only that strange creature that's right over your right shoulder. Right. Yeah, that's the only thing that's odd. Okay. Okay, let's play this video. Um, this is from KTLA, of course, the famous, like, NBC, was it an NBC affiliate in, in Los Angeles? Is that what it is? KTLA, I think, is, like, not connected to the top the um, major three it's not abc cbs okay. or nbc it's the local yeah okay really- so here we go ktla and um this looks like her car in the background can you see yeah, that yes i mean that thing is completely charred look at that like she's a projectile here all right so i'm going to play this and see if i can make it a uh, large screen bring it up Oh, I got to make sure I have the uh, the share volume. Sometimes I leave that out. And this is what would have been one of those times, unfortunately. All right, here we go. Back. Oh, I did my own show. I don't want to do that. Hold on. Let's get it back here. Yeah, there it is. Okay. I was like sampling my own show. All right. All right, let's do this. So here we go. We're going to get the the details and keep your eye uh, on, on the gurney here. A wild story and we're really lucky no one was killed in this let me set it up for you right here first of all this mini cooper right here right off the top let's tell you what we know about it so far according to the dmv this is registered to ann hesh the actress who was in a long-term relationship with ellen degeneres let's tell you what it did in a moment but first let's start back here see this little small street here this street is preston here in the Marvista area. See how small this street is. It's a little street. Apparently that Mini Cooper, according to a witness, was going maybe at least 60 miles per hour, blew through a stop sign here on Walgrove, which is going this way, went through these bushes right here, landed in a house. The car caught on fire, as did the house. 
in the car, according to TMZ is reporting, Ann Hesch was inside the car when that happened. Let's show you some video from Sky 5 HD. You can see the driver of the car being taken out of the home after firefighters got here and were able to get her out of the car. TMZ reporting that that is Ann Hesch that was inside the car. Now look what she's doing. KTLA has confirmed the car is registered to Ann Hesch. She was speaking, according to firefighters, when they got her out. You can see her at the very end there kind of pop up uh, before she was put into the ambulance. All right, so she's trying to get out of there. Now, I've I've seen some comments online about how, well, the reason why she's in that gurney with that covering is because she suffered, like, severe burns. Well, that could be true, but she wants out of that thing. And eventually she winds up in... Uh, uh, the hospital and in, in, like the burn ward, and now she's basically brain dead. And they want to they want to pluck her organs. That did not look like a brain dead person, right? That looked like somebody who was conscious, who was aware, and wanted to get out of that situation. What, what's your take on that? Totally. Um, but I'm also kind of feeling this might be ritualistic. Like how it's playing out, playing out, right? Mm -hmm. Because if she's trying to get away and they're keeping her down, it right, reminds me of the Lady Diana thing, right? Like, well, that's where I was going to go because that was one of the things that came out with Diana is that she actually got out of the car <laughs> when that whole thing happened. So keep going, keep going. Well, I'm just picking up that. There is a ritualistic aspect to this in some way. And also, so right now she's brain dead, right? And they're basically saying she's going to die. So I'm kind of thinking like this was all orchestrated on purpose. How she got into the accident, though, they say she was drinking or on drugs. I think drinking. Well, they said that she'd been, do she'd been doing coke. That's what I had heard. Okay. Oh, all right. Well. I don't know. That might have been the setup, the precursor for her to, to get into an accident, possibly. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, right? And then she gets into the accident, and then they're retaining her. And then you were mentioning to me in a text about this whole thing with the lady who looks like her, who's a resident of the house that she crashed into. Yeah, we're going to take a look at the woman whose house she crashed into. Right. She's almost a dead ringer for Ann Hatch. It's really weird. It's like completely high, strange stuff. Yeah. And so there's that. And then there's the kind of the prehistory of this when right. Ann Hatch, a lot of people, well, maybe some people remember this, but there was a weird time where she showed up at somebody's house in the desert. Remember that? Yeah. Something, something was weird. Yeah. So let's, let's go back in time and see, let me see if I can find that video. Cause there's a weird connection here again. Um, with Ann Hatch and just some of the high strange around here. Let me see if I can find this. Um, let's see if I can find this thing. So this is from, okay, this is pretty weird. So, the last time she had one of these 
events was in August of 2000. So it happened on 8-22-2000. And when did this crash happen? Was it was it yesterday or the day before? Which would be Probably what? Yesterday, I think. Yeah, so it'd be 8-11. 8 11 2022 and this happened on 8 2000 so there's a lot there's some strange strange stuff going on with some of the numbers here um this is from an abc story from that time now the story was printed on 8 22 so we'll go through this Ann Hetch's Lost Weekend, the already strange story of Ann Hetch's days of confused rural ramblings over the weekend has gotten even more outlandish. While there's still no official statement from the actress's camp, sources say her disorientation and confusion when she turned up on the doorstep of strangers near Fresno, California, may be due to surprise, surprise drugs. Well, maybe or maybe not. Because Hetch had just announced her split with her companion for three years, Ellen DeGeneres, speculation has run high that Six Days, Seven Nights actress was on a bit of a post-breakup bender. There are indications she may have been under the influence of some sort of drug. A law enforcement uh, source told the Fresno Bee, Hetch made statements indicating that she may have been taking the drug ecstasy, according to the Bee's sources. So this is what she said. According to the uh, television station, KCKSEE, one Fresno County deputy wrote in his report, she proceeded to tell me that she was God and was going to take everyone back to heaven what? with her in some sort of spaceship. Whoa. Hetch was found on the doorstep of a farmhouse in rural western Fresno County Saturday after she knocked on the door and made strange statements to the residents. An ambulance and sheriff's deputies were summoned and Hetch was taken to a nearby hospital. Sheriff's Lieutenant Merrill Wright said, we determined that there was a medical problem and sent her to University Medical Center. Uh, says there's no rhyme or reason that she should have been in Nebraska in Highway 33. There's your, there's your symbolic number right there. Highway 33. Hetch apparently abandoned her Toyota Sport utility vehicle Saturday afternoon near the intersection in question for walking a mile along a tiny dirt road to the home where residents called the sheriff's office for help. Hetch may have been bound for Saturday's first women's music festival at Yosemite's Tanaya Lodge, but the actress was not spotted there all day. In any event, Hetch was out of there by Monday morning. The pixie-haired actress was photographed at the Los Angeles International Airport boarding a plane to Toronto, where she's directing a movie starring Denzel Washington. So again, there's super high strange. And it was in the month of August, 22 years ago. So there's another number that seems to be pretty prevalent. Number two, yeah. 22. Let's get into her background a little bit. Um, she's a Gemini. Yep. So it's not, wouldn't be uncommon for her theoretically to crash into somebody else's place that looks like her, right? Isn't that more high strange? Yeah. Very, very weird. Um, let's see. She won the Saturn Award for. Let's get into her background a little bit. 
and this is the first time I'm really kind of getting into her background. She was born on May 25th, 69 in Aurora, Ohio, Aurora goddess of the dawn. Also where there was the uh, Batman shooting, right? In Aurora, Aurora, Colorado. Oh, wow. Wow. The the youngest of five children, Nancy Hatch, Nee Prickett, and Donald Joseph Hatch. Hatch's family moved 11. Here we go. There's 11. So we got 11s. We got 22s. We got 33s. uh, 11 times during her childhood. At one point, they lived in an Amish community. Who does this? Oh, my God. Right? Who does this? Oh, let's go live in an Amish community. They'll have us. Don't you have to be kind of born into an Amish community? I thought. Yeah. When asked in a 2001 interview on Larry King what her father's source of income was, Hetch replied, well, he was a choir director. But I don't think he made that much, much on that a week. He said he was involved in business of gas and oil. He said that until the day he died. But he never was involved in the business of gas or oil ever. Like, it starts to get weird, right? Like, she can't even be really clear about what her father's business was. The family settled in Ocean City, New Jersey, when Hetch was 12 years old. Due to the family's strained finances, she went to work at a dinner theater in Swainton. At the time, we'd been kicked out of our house, and my family was holed up, living in a bedroom in the home of a generous family from our church. I got $100 a week, which was more than anyone else in my family. We all pulled our money in an envelope in a drawer and saved up enough to move out after a year. On March 3rd, 1983, when Hetch was 13, her 45-year-old father died of HIV AIDS. Now it gets ev- it's getting even weirder here, right? This is the guy that lived in the Amish community. Uh, let's see which she believed was contracted from a homosexual partner. He was in complete denial until the day he died. We know he got it from his gay relationships. Absolutely. I don't think it was just one. He was a very promiscuous man. And we knew his lifestyle then, Hedge said on Larry King Live. Hedge said he repeatedly raped her. What? From the time she was an infant until she was 12, giving her genital herpes. What? Okay, this is getting weirder by the line, right? So she is literally, so it says to me that her father, like her her father probably isn't even her father. But I'm just, I'm just guessing here that this feels like a handler situation. Yeah. And the father is getting Hetch ritually raped from an early age. Grooming her. You know, blowing her brains, right? Blowing her brains out and and subdividing her her persona because this is what happens. All right, let's, let's keep going here. This is getting weirder by the line. When asked, but why would a gay man rape a girl in a 2001 interview with The Advocate, Hetch replied, I don't think he was a gay man. I think he was sexually deviant. My belief was that my father was gay and he had to cover that up. I think he was sexually abusive. The more he couldn't be who he was, the more that came out of him. 
the ways that it did. In a 1998 interview, she reflected that her father being closeted ultimately destroyed his happiness in her family, but it did teach me, it did teach me to tell the truth. Nothing else is worth anything. All right, here we go. It gets weirder. Three months later, after her father's death, Hetch's 18-year-old brother, Nathan, was killed in a car crash. Uh. The official determination was that he fell asleep at the wheel and struck a tree, though Hetch claims it was suicide. The remainder of Hetch's family subsequently moved to Chicago, where Hetch attended the progressive Francis W. Parker School. In 1985, when Hetch was 16, an agent spotted her in a school play and secured her audition for a daytime soap opera as the world turns. Hedge flew to New York City, auditioned, was offered a job, but her mother insisted she finish high school first. Shortly before her high school graduation in 1987, Hedge was offered a dual role on the daytime soap opera, Another World. So she's offered a role where she's playing two different people. You know, I vaguely remember that too, her doing, yeah, I do. So she's a Gemini. Oh, God. Right? Mm -hmm. She's offered a dual role. She's being raped by her father from a young age, more than likely creating a split personality. Mm -hmm. Gemini rules siblings. She has a brother who dies in a car crash. Oh, my God. Right? This is all like like the high strange is like just piling up here. Mm -hmm. She pops out in Fresno on Highway 33. All right, let's keep going here. All right, what else we have? Um, again, I was told I couldn't go. My mother was very religious, and maybe she thought it was a sinner's world, Hatch stated. But I got on the phone and said, send me the ticket. I'm getting on the plane. I did my time with my mom in a one-bedroom skanky apartment, and I was done. And what do you think about that? Yeah, I think the whole thing is like so. I I find this an amazing story. I mean, whatever of somebody who might be from a bloodline, possibly. Could um, be the the thing with the dad is just really strange. Yeah. He he to me he just he sounds like he sounds like a handler, right? Yeah. That that's that's and that's what. All right, so. Wasn't Elijah Wood um, in the movie um, with uh, Harrison Ford in the Amish territory? Isn't he the boy that's in that movie? Uh, what's Isn't that him? I think it is, yeah. What's the name of that movie? Is it Missing? Is that the name of that movie? I think so, yeah. Something like that. All right, let's, let's just zoom in on that for a second. Uh, I haven't seen that movie in a while. All right. The only Amish movie that really comes to my mind is Witness, but that's Witness. That's it. It's Witness. Witness. Oh, that's it. It's Witness. And isn't it, doesn't Elijah Wood play the boy in Witness? That's what he, I'm thinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I think that's I think that's true. Um, let me just see. Make, let's make sure. All 
Yeah, the witness. Um, oh. Okay, so there is a short on, uh, with Elijah Wood in it called The Witness, but it's something different. It, it, it's, a, it's very weird. It's a different movie, and it's a movie where he actually is in a concentration camp. What? <laughs> That's bizarre. Um, oh, here's another bit of high strange. Um, Elijah Wood witnessed the 9-11 attacks. Really? So he is the witness. He witnessed the 9-11 attacks. He was he was on a, on a soap opera with Ann Hatch. I want to see the, the who played the kid in that movie. We got to find out now. Or in the cast, Lucas Haas plays the kid, a different child actor. Okay. Different child actor. But still, nonetheless, um, but there is a connection with Harrison Ford and Ann Hatch. They were they were in that movie together where they're um on that island. I think is it is it um is that the six days, seven nights film? Yeah. Yeah, which is a pretty crazy movie. And then, and I guess they had this other thing going on where there was a dating scandal. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Right. So the actress was driving in the Mar Vista neighborhood of Los Angeles when she ran their vehicle off the road. The LAFD revealed that the actress was taken to the nearest hospital. Critical condition. Fifty-nine firefighters spent sixty-five minutes accessing and extinguishing the stubborn flames. Harrison and Hatch calls Harrison Ford her hero. Uh, in the late 90s, the actress faced a difficult point in her career. She had just gone public with her girlfriend, Ellen DeGeneres. Now, Ellen DeGeneres feels like a handler to me. That's just like what was happening with her dad being, quote, homosexual, right? And then yeah. get together with a gay woman. Yeah, this whole thing is just... And the whole thing with um, Six Days and Seven Nights, it's this, it's this movie where there's one strange, traumatizing oh, scene two. after another. Yeah, this oh, here's these the two. these two. I always thought these two looked. Look at them. Same short hair, same color. It's that's weird too to me. Right. Though. So there's this whole twinning and matching yeah. thing. Yeah. Going on, and and Ellen Ellen DeGeneres is an Aquarian. Ah. Okay. Right. And the other really weird thing that popped into my mind with this Ann Hatch event was that it took place in Mar Vista. Yeah. And around the same time, there's this thing going on in Florida at Mar-a-Lago. Oh, I didn't make that connection. That's excellent. So, again, you have these, like, twinning Mars going on. Exactly. I wonder how many how many degrees of uh, separation. With this look, story, there's a lot of connectivity. Honestly. Look at look at this. Look look at right. Look at what's right next to the story. Sturgeon Moon 2022 rituals for manifestation hmm. during August full moon. And we just had that. Yeah. But they they'll do that on a sidebar. I don't know. But. Yeah, but on a sidebar next to this story. Yeah, yeah, that is weird. Right, it's a, it's a, it's a little strange. 
more than a little strange. There they are together looking almost like a matching pair. Yeah. Yeah, this whole thing is really weird. Very weird. And then, and we talked about this before. Um, well, we talked about this. She winds up getting out of that relationship. And then she goes straight. And she gets Can married. I say that? Go ahead. Yeah, I just, I never felt. Then she theoretically goes straight. She has a relationship with the the camera guy, the cameraman. And then they have a kid together. Mm -hmm. So again, she like spends this three and a half year period with with Ellen, who feels like her handler, Mm -hmm. keeping her in this weird kind of like twinned up double world. Right. And then all of a sudden, like, that's over. And she takes on this whole, it's like, like another part of her brain kicks in. So when she was in the desert and wound up, you know, on the porch of that place, like, what was she really going through? Was she just having a bad e-trip and was she dehydrated or you know, was she being programmed and trying to somehow, you know, eject her programming? That, well, maybe they figured that whatever her programming was, it was like, she wasn't the one to ultimately make the decision finally what was going to happen with her life. So they ritualistically put her in this to where she looks like she's going to die. Right. And I don't know what the goal was for her, for them to do this with her, you know, there's weird stories always with these things, but sometimes you wonder what was their use for her in this whole thing, right? I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. You know, I, I don't know why this popped into my head, but I was, have you seen the movie Being John Malkovic? You know, I saw it so long ago, I don't remember everything about it, but that was a strange movie. So in the movie, Being John Malkovic, these people find this weird place. It's almost like a floor between a floor, right? It's not a a complete floor. So it's kind of in this in-between space, and they have to kind of crouch down in Mm. this space. But once they're in this space they find out they're able to get into John Malkovich's head. Like they see the world through John Malkovich's eyes. And then eventually, and this is where the movie gets really weird. Eventually they figure out how to manipulate John Malkovich. Mm. And, and they turn him into a master puppeteer. So like John Malkovich's acting career takes this weird turn as he becomes this master puppeteer. Like, what are they really saying here? So here, so this is why I thought of this totally left field. Is that the kind of access that they have to these people? I think so. I do. Right. Like they're actually in their heads Yeah. and they're seeing the world through their eyes. Like, like it's that remote. What do you, like, that's a really out there idea, but what do you think of that idea? 
I think not only is it true, but if you extend it to quote the rest of us, they're trying to do the same to us too. But I mean, their own manners, our own ways. Right. Oh, it's a big deal. Because there are a lot of people that talk about being targeted. Yeah. Being a targeted individual. Some could even say that having a condition like Morgellons, which you have um, been really, um, you know, battling and, and winning that battle. Um, some people could even say that uh, Morgellons is, a, is a, actually a targeted phenomenon. You know, I want to say that has occurred to me and that has worried me in a sense, although I'm slowly getting over this slowly, but um, well, it's in the chemtrails probably, right? You know. Right, right. But there's certain, from what I've, I spent a long time in that world, mm-hmm. climbing down that rabbit hole because I had weird stuff happen to me and I wanted to know what was going on. And one of the things that I came away with was that there were certain haplogroups or there were certain genetics oh, right. that would activate the so-called Morgellons. Meanwhile, there would be other genetics that would not be touched by it. Mm-hmm. So that, that was my takeaway. Like that was the targeted piece that it would literally like get switched on by you know, certain telomeres or certain, certain gene switches. So you might have been one of those people that had a particular haplogroup, you know, because you, you come from a mixed background. Yeah. Right. And maybe your haplogroup somehow, you know, you know, got aligned with the stuff floating around in our sky or water and our system. And you became, indirectly targeted as a result i see what you mean yeah if you think about toxic disease or disease modern diseases in general right it kind of seems like there's something to what you're saying too right because certain groups suffer from certain things that other groups don't theoretically suffer from and that may not be targeting it may be a result of you know you know some kind of x factor whether it's sickle cell anemia or tay-sachs or whatever those things are. I mean, those things exist. We know that. Um, but this whole Ann Hedge thing, let me, let me, let me find the, the other clip with this woman whose house she ran into who looks like her mm-hmm. because that's another bizarre um, aspect to this whole, is weird. whole operation. Maybe I can find it. And how did they lead her to run into this house too? Strange. Right. Yeah, exactly. How did this house, how did this house get there? So here we go. Here's, this is a, a one picture of the woman. Here we go. So here she is. Oh wow, she does look like her. She totally looks like her. Like what? What is? Like this is totally high strange. Totally. And apparently, this is the inside of uh, the place. I don't know. This whole thing is really weird. Really, really weird. You know, Robert. You when you got my text where we were talking about her, I think you read where I said that. 
why did I have this feeling about this situation with NH, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought about you and I go, you are feeling the same as me. And then you text me and I'm like, oh my God, we're on the same wavelength. Something about this thing. Yeah, it was really. Here's another, um, another picture of the two of them side by side. All right, come on. Oh, come on. Yeah, that's not what I wanted. Let's see. There it is. Okay, so they're not an exact match. But I bet you if you dialed this back to Ann Hatch and her youth, she wouldn't look too dissimilar. So there's the two of them together. Oh, wow. So she's already gotten $70,000 from uh, some kind of, I guess, a GoFundMe or something like that. So the whole thing is very, very strange. Happens right as the moon is moving into like this full mode in Aquarius. And we watch her try to get out of that body bag, right? Like what, like what is really, what is really going on here? And why would they, I mean, if they wanted to completely just terminate the program, that, that'd be there, there's less dramatic ways of doing that yeah yeah what's up with that it's all ritualistic or they did something to shortcut the situation i feel like the ritualistic part when you start to get into all the twinning and the doubles mm-hmm. and um like even going back into her life with the car crash of her her brother who dies yeah. It's just like, it's so, so high strange, so high strange. And um, that's also the, the date. Um, let's look at this here. Well, you know what? Did it, this happen on Lionsgate? I think it did. Um, it did. I th- it did happen on Lionsgate and uh, Ann Hatch is born on May 25th, which is the day that George Floyd was theoretically killed. Really? Oh, that's, wow. And then when you get it, again, we're just going down these rabbit holes here. When you get into George Floyd, you start to talk about Stephen Jackson. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Jackson is uh, an NBA player, ex-NBA player, who started to call, he, he called George Floyd his twin. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now we have like May 25th, which is the day George Floyd theoretically died. Same birthday as Ann Hatch, who crashes into a house of somebody who looks like her. There's two events on two sides of the country, Mar Vista Mar Vista and Mar Mar Lago. Wow! Yeah, she okay. has a brother who died in a car crash. 
she was involved with a woman where they looked like each other. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is really weird. It is. <sighs> wow. Very, very strange stuff. But something that seems like it's right out of the, you know, right out of the pages of Hollywood. Like it's such a Hollywood, almost like, almost like a Hollywood scripted. Totally. Ritual. Um, Yeah. So Steven Jackson said, uh, George Floyd was my brother. I remember that. And there was like that twin aspect to that. Here, let's bring it up here. I I found it. I had to search a little bit. You know, what? With, with a lot of these rituals, we have the twinning, twin towers, <laughs> twin cities, twin brothers, twin sisters, twin homosexuals, this, that, right? Tw- yeah, twin identities. Right. Right? I, so here, let me, let me uh, put this up here. I found it. Yeah, it plays a big role. This whole, this whole Gemini concept, right? The whole Gemini duality plays a big role. Also connected to the pole star as well. So Stephen Jackson, twin of George Floyd, speaks at rally after police officer charged with murder. And so, by the way, Stephen Jackson is a Freemason. Ah, there we go. And George Floyd, I think George Floyd had the same uh, tattoo on his chest as LeBron James. It's a boule tattoo. So there's connections with George Floyd and Freemasonry as well. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever see the, I know we're going down some rabbit holes here, but did you ever see the picture of George Floyd at the nightclub with a picture of, I think it was Kobe Bryant and in uh, like a Corona beer poster. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then again, there's the high strange with Kobe, right? right. And, and his helicopter crash, which really starts off this whole thing with the coronavirus. Like the coronavirus happens yep. shortly after yep. Kobe crashes mm-hmm. his helicopter. And there were people, there was somebody in his helicopter who was from Corona Del Mar. Right, which is which is next to Newport Beach, which is right. Right, right. So what's going on here? Because if if something like this happened with Ann Hatch, and clearly it's got a bunch of people's attention. And we saw what happened with Kobe, Mm -hmm. and then shortly thereafter, we this whole coronavirus thing kicks off. And just Yesterday, the CDC put out this statement, which said, basically, it's up to you how you handle coronavirus now. Right. Personal choice. So was this Ann Hetch thing, like, connected to some kind of closure around that? Possibly? I would say closure, but also the Trump Mar-Largo thing. That's opening up a different saga, right? This whole thing. Yes. Yeah. So we can say something, something is closing on that end. And then opening, yeah, 
but there's also geographic issues about this, like you said, um, like power base or controversy with power base being on the East Florida, the East Coast, LA, the West Coast, Portland is kind of like in a different mode. Something to do with that too. Something I'm feeling with that. So are you thinking about there's a shifting of the power base? Well, I think that's true because there was a period where Disney on the West Coast was closed and Disney in Florida was open. Right. That's interesting that there, there would be this shifting. Of, you know, of, there's another this, parallel geographically I want to mention um, in Long Beach right here. There's a really old, I say old hotel called the Breakers, mm-hmm. whatever. I'm not going to get too much into it, but kind of a cool hotel where I think Elizabeth Taylor had her honeymoon there. And who is it? Clark Gable stayed there. The Lombard or whatever, it, there's like a history with this place. But I always feel like parts of LA and Long Beach have some kind of Masonic thing too. It's a cool hotel um, with a cool restaurant, cool hotel. I think now it's a retirement home. But the weird thing about it is I heard that there's a replica hotel of this Breakers Hotel in Florida, in Miami. I think, I don't think it's Pensacola. No. So but the, there's these two hotels were built in the twenties. See, right. so it's almost kind of like I felt like, what's the twin thing going on with that? And then you mentioned that I don't know how it's Mar Marloga. I can't Marlogo. Marlogo. Marlogo, and then Marvista, which is here. Now Marvista is also adjacent to Venice. It's it's north of Venice, so that's also a beach community too, right? Mar logo beach mar vista adjacent to a beach right yes i mean to a um an urban beach um you know urban um setting so i'm looking up something right now i mean one second you you have um inspired me to sort of check this out okay what do we have here? I was looking at the distance between Hollywood, California and Hollywood, Florida. There you go. Another twin thing. Oh there's my God. there's oh. two, there's two Hollywoods. Yeah. yeah. So to get, to get to from one Hollywood to the other Hollywood, right. You, you would take, I guess it would be what highway 10. Right. All, all the way to Florida. Um, so it's 39 hours and depending on your speed, either 2,724 miles or 2,717 miles. And what's interesting, you can see it on the map here, is that they almost span, well, they do span the entirety of the country, east, west, but it's almost like, you know, all the way from the West Coast, almost, almost to the tip of Florida, right, right over here. So clearly there are these two poles, right, that connect the country, and they're both called Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's accidental. No, I don't think it's accidental either. And for people that, you know, uh, don't don't know this, and I found out about this from um, 
first time I heard it was from Jordan Maxwell. And he talked about the Hollywood, right? right. The Hollywood is, a, it's a, it's the wood from a holly tree. Right. And when you see a conductor conducting a symphony with the wand, they're using the wood of the holly tree in order to conduct all theoretically all those wands are made out of the Hollywood. So the idea is that you would, you know, this is what Hollywood does, right? It's the magic wand and it's conducting people, you know, either in their movies or in the movie of this life. And then when you look at the first Disney film, which really puts Disney on the map in a big way, it's the Sorcerer's Apprentice, mm-hmm. where Mickey Mouse gets a hold of what? Right, a wand. A wand, which is the Hollywood. Yes. And that that is that is Disney's first big movie. So, and what what connects Disney, Florida, and California? That's right, Orlando and Anaheim. And we have the two Hollywoods, and we have the two Mars. We have Anne Hatch, who's a Gemini. She gets into an accident at a house where there's a person that looks like her. It mirrors the Diana accident, right? The last time she got into an accident or something weird like this was in August. So two August, eight, eight. Ah, right. Right. 2000. And then 2022, 22 years later, like the whole thing is weird. It's all, um, I forgot the term. Anyway, uh, well, not just synchronistic, but um, what is that term when they use occult connections? I can't remember. But anyway, um, we also have to think about how Donald Trump plays into this. Another Gemini. Yep, exactly. There you yeah. go. I knew there was something I was thinking. What's what is it about him? Boom, you got it. It's a Gemini factor. Yeah. Yeah. So we have Trump, who's the Gemini. Um when's his birthday? I think it's in June. Right. So also you have Ann Hatch being born on the same day of the George Floyd. Oh my God. Theoretical murder, okay. right? Whatever, whatever's yeah. going on there. And then you have the Steven Jackson thing where, oh, that's my twin. Like, this, this is strange shit, right? It really is. I mean, but it's fascinating. Let's, and let's then, also remember, before I forget, uh, Gavin Newsom, you know, here governor of quote, California, he made a bunch of TV ads in Florida about something to do with what presidency or something. I'm not clear. That's right. That. So he was broadcasting into Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was trying to get people to move back to California, wasn't he? Okay, there you go. But there's a duality there, right? The, the right. Twin. Oh, look at this twin, but look at this twin. Like here. <laughs> yeah, that's all really strange. Yeah. Very strange stuff. Um, I don't think we'll get to the bottom of it, right? I don't think there's, you know, any way that we can really wrap our heads around this other than the fact that it feels very ritualistic. And it has enough common denominators where this, this duality, this duality game, which is very Masonic, you got the black and white chessboard comes into play, feels a lot like that. And even when you look at the whole George Floyd 
Derek Chauvin thing. It's a black and white thing, right? He's supposedly a white cop and he's supposedly- yep, a, there you go, black right? and white, yes. It's black and white. Um, so, you know, there's that, right. right? And sometimes these, you have to wonder too, like sometimes are these things not just orchestrated, but, but, but maybe they take on a life of their own. Like maybe there's like a, like a program that's running Right. It's almost like a, like a life of its own in some ways. You know, that's something else to think about because sometimes we think, well, this is all being masterminded by, you know, a group of people that all meet together, you know, in a dark place and say, we're going to do this and we're going to, we're going to run Hetch's program and she's going to, you know, basically deconstruct. It's going to have all this meaning, but maybe that's already in place somehow. Like maybe that's a program that's just running on the planet right? That, that, or whatever this realm is. And then just lines these things up in a certain way. So the program can reaffirm itself. Yeah. But maybe our lives are parallel to all this stuff too. That's the strange part as well. Right. Well, that's, I mean, and so you were getting into kind of this weird nature of reality. And so I've been, I've been dealing with this whole Trump thing and trying to like learn from it and understand it. And one of the things that I've found about Trump is that two things can be equally true with him. Mm-hmm. Like there's a side of Trump. We could just go right down the checklist and go, well, he fucked up on January 6th. He pardoned Jared Kushner's dad. He pardoned the guy mm-hmm. who was Jonathan Pollard's handler. Right. He, you know, he, let Fauci run wild. He let Scarf Lady run wild. Father of the vaccine, proud of Operation Warp Speed. Then you go down the other side of the list, and like, there's other stuff he did that was interesting, you know, and and good. So when you look at Trump, you just it, it just comes up like this all the time, you know. There's but the duality of Operation Warp Speed too is that didn't he come out later and said, "Oh, ivermectin and things are good to look at too." That's See, right. That's right. There's the whole duality thing going on. So what I'm trying to understand with Trump and Trump being like this cipher <laughs> is that is that we live in a world where both things can be equally true and that there are parallel realities that are operating simultaneously. Yes, maybe exactly. maybe more than parallel realities, but at least two. Yeah, at least. And I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around this in a way that I can understand it so that we can move out of the duality game. The fact that you and I are talking about this and your viewers are also very astute on these matters generally, okay? Um, There's something about us as a collective too that's tuned into this and I think it's very relevant too, something. Because don't forget, astrologically, right? We're going through a really strange configuration right right now with all this grand crossing and everything and we just had the full moon right this whole thing we're i think we're past that now but the configuration right now i think also has to do with the high strangeness oh yeah we're all going through a complete transformation right now so the fact we're even talking about this i think is relevant to the changes in the society everything everything yeah, I, I think so too. And the hard the hard part is that people want terra firma, right? They want terra firma. And Uranus is in Taurus, and we're not going to get terra firma 
with Uranus and Taurus, right? We're going to get strange land. We're going to get, you know, uneasy land, right? And even this relationship with nature, like it's going off the rails now. Rainwater is bad. Like there's no safe rainwater on the planet. Uh, Backyard chickens and their eggs are now apparently being deemed to be dangerous, but that's coming out. You've got, I played this video on my show yesterday where you have the anti-milk activists pouring milk out, right? Uranus and Taurus, right? So there's almost like there's this revolt against nature now yeah. and, and that there is no terra firma. So when we go through something like what we're going through and trying to wrap our heads around this idea that there are parallel realities that could be running simultaneously, right? The, the, the need to have terra firma is not there. So you have to figure out like how you're going to process different levels of information. Mm-hmm. I think that's the hardest part for people now. I think so. Because, you know, Robert, too, it plays into our personal lives as well as the collective. It's all kind of like converging, reflecting itself like that. Wow. Right. Like today, I was supposed to have on uh, Daryl uh, uh, Hamamoto, or Yamamoto, uh, who is Japanese and a male, and instead you show up and you're, and you're half Japanese and a female. Right. So it's like, okay, well, here's another version of our high strange. <laughs> like, well, look who shows up. It wasn't who was supposed to be here. Right. And, and, I would say not, not a reasonable fact, certainly because you're your own person, but a variation on a theme, right? So even today's show kind of represents that in some ways. Yeah, because we were texting about the Anne Hage thing and that with all that, and then this kind of led to, it's interesting, yeah, definitely. So I'm, so I'm, I'm kind of bummed that he, he didn't show up. Um, I actually reached out to John Levi, asked if he wanted to come on the show. He said he just loaded up his barbecue or he would. Um, so what was the thing I wanted to wanted to share? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hold on a second. Stero Hamamoto. I don't want to get his name wrong. I don't want to be disrespectful. But um, I didn't know this. Do you know who he is by any chance? You know, I actually don't. <laughs> Maybe. All right. I'm so gonna- I, I found out about him through Misaki. Okay, I was going to mention Masaki for some reason, but anyway. So Masaki told me about him, and he wrote a book called uh, Servitors of the Empire. And it's, a, it's about the connections between the occult um, and sort of bloodline families and power in, Japan, in Japanese culture, government, and history. Like, he's looking into these blo- bloodline families and their role in terms of how they distribute so-called reality in Japan okay. and in the United States. So I thought, okay, that's interesting. He's been on a Freeman show. He's been on Alex Jones. Um, he's got some very interesting theories, but he did, he, I didn't know this, but he did a porn movie. And I wanted to ask him about it, about his porn movie. And I think it's called skin to skin. And it's 50 minutes long and he did it. 
it's an Asian erotica movie. And he wanted to do a movie that depicted Asian people as being lusty and, you know, full bodied and wanted to break the stereotype of them being so-called submissive or quiet. And I'm like, well, it's kind of interesting. I wanted to talk to him about that. And then there was a documentary about it called, I think it's called Under the Pillow or something like that, where they get into this idea about why he did that movie. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that, right? Like, like how, you know, how Asian culture is perceived in terms of like rawness or sexuality or this whole idea of eroticism and how, for the most part, it's been always classified as being demure and submissive. And he's like, fuck that. I'm going to make a different kind of movie. And, you know, I'm going to make, I'm going to make the lead like a, I don't know. I've never seen the movie, mm. but, but I'm going to make, I'm going to make him counter to that sort of cultural narrative. What are your thoughts on that in terms of, you know, being half Asian yourself and uh, perceiving that kind of kind of cultural standard? Like, do you think, do you think it's true? And if it's um, not, if it's not true, then, then, then how is it not true? And what does it look like? Well, that's interesting because I think that the media, and I'm being very broad, right? When you talk about Hollywood or the media, I think many decades ago, that stereotype of Asians being submissive was really put out there. You know, I'm no expert on cinema or media per se, but it just seems that way in the past. I think they're kind of going away from it now. But if you look at modern Asian media, which is directly from Asia, not so much the funneled through Hollywood version, right? But if people are looking at, say, like Asian movies and stuff, they'll see, they won't see that, right? They're going to see the culture reflected realistically as it is, if that makes sense. So um, I think some of the romantic, erotic, action-oriented, and I'm not well-versed, but Japanese films or Korean or even Chinese, I don't know, they're going to show more like standard people. They're not going to show like stereotypes of, oh, Hollywood thinks Asians are submissive. They're not going to show that, right? They're going to show people as they are. So if you go into the cinema or the media in Asia itself and research that or delve into that, you'll see pretty much what you see here in the U.S. or in the West or whatever, people acting like themselves, okay? They're not going to be like, oh, well, I have to be some submissive female or like a certain kind of male because I'm fitting the old Hollywood stereotype. It's nothing like that. It's people being themselves, I think. So, yeah. So, I mean, in terms of if you're talking about porn, I guess, or erotica, I mean, I think there's a lot of potential there to see the real society and how people are. And and people are going to walk away if they see something like that going, oh, you know, yeah, this isn't about a stereotype. This is people just like anywhere acting or reacting to life situations. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It does. It does. It does make sense. Um, I mean, I only been to Japan, well, two times and the thing is, is that, well, that, that, that was enough for me to see that things, I guess. But, you know, the men and the women, they're compared to, say, Americans. Yeah, they're not as, like, showy. They're not as, ah, crazy in their, how they act. But, I mean, I saw a lot of, like, beauty and 
expression of oneself and stuff socially that to me was no different than here you know i mean mm-hmm. i saw you know attractive women men no matter what their age and their social capacity being interesting and everything so when i when i was uh i think it was around 19 or 20 i used to go to a lot of movies at independent movie houses right the art house theaters Mm-hmm. and you'd get the schedule like print a schedule and you'd look at what was coming and i remember seeing this the, uh like a little clip a little you know uh window for this one movie that was coming up and it was called in the realm of the senses oh, I and, heard of that one. and and the director's uh nagisi oshima okay and they were talking about how it was erotic right there was like this japanese erotic movie mm-hmm. so i went to go see it with my girlfriend so we go to this movie I don't, I don't know what to expect and sort of plotting through very slow moving and it seems as if there's this dominance thing going on with this guy and this woman and an eventually i think she is kind of re- rebuffing him or something but there's all this kind of, you know, sexual tension between the two of them mm-hmm. you, you, that finally, eventually it gets consummated and he sodomizes her, right? So I'm watching this, this whole sodomy thing going on and I'm like, okay, this isn't really doing it for me. Right? <laughs> it's like, it's not really doing it for me. And then, and then she kills him, like not then, but in a later scene. Wow. She, she takes a knife and kills the guy, yeah. right? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> if, if this is Japanese erotica, I think I've had enough. Like, well, was, let's just say it's probably a version of it, but yeah, okay. Anyway, I mean, it's a version of it, right? And I was I was 20 years old, sure. but the reviews for that movie were like off the charts, right? Oh my god, this is a masterpiece, and you know, it's like Last Tango in Paris and medieval Japan or whatever, you know. You made me think of, I never saw this movie, but I had a Filipino friend tell me that there was some Filipino movie that was sim- I don't know, similar, the thematic, where it was a real hot, racy movie, but there was like a murder twist to it too, where this Filipino woman goes into a man's house. You know, they're both Filipino, but they have some kind of crazy sex thing, and then somebody kills somebody. So... Right. So is that like, like some kind of, well, clearly for in that movie, that was revenge, right? Mm-hmm. She was like, all right, you, you did something to me that I wasn't really happy about. So now yeah. you're going to pay the price. And I, I actually think we walked out after she killed the guy. I was like, okay. That bad. Oh, wow. I think I've had enough. So I was, I was talking with Masaki and um, I found this movie there was this, there's this guy who's a Thai director and he went to uh, USC film school with Coppola and, and Lucas. So he made, he made some movies and he made this movie called the powder road. And I actually, I actually found a place that would sell a copy of the DVD. I had to buy it. And I haven't gotten it yet, but the, but the story of the movie, it's like, it's like a cop movie, mm. right? It's like a cop movie from Thailand. Okay. Uh, but there, there are these guys who belong to the Yakuza okay. and they're, they're smuggling heroin from Thailand to Japan. 
and they're smuggling it in the silicon breasts of transvestites or transsexuals or whatever, right? Silicon breasts of trannies. So that's how they're smuggling the heroin. And these two cops from Thailand have to go to Japan and track these. I had to buy the movie. Oh, wow. Right? I just had to get it. Like, this is so fucking crazy that, that that they're combining heroin, the Yakuza, and trannies with with uh cocaine cavities and their fake titties right? oh, funny yeah so it's really interesting this idea of asian culture because it's changing right it's changing before our sure. eyes sure you know we have the extreme version of that with like the squid games mm-hmm. or squid game you know this bizarre did you watch the squid games at all or squid game no i actually didn't I didn't either. I didn't feel like watching it, but I've seen some highlights or whatever you want to call them. So it's this whole genre of Korean horror. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Right. It's changing cinema, right? That was really, Squid Game was bigger than almost any movie that played in the theaters in 2021. Yeah, that's right. It was huge. Mm-hmm. So you have that. And then there's this movie uh, with Michelle Yeoh, Yeoh, who was in Crouch. Uh, Crouchy Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, okay. Right. Um, and it's everything, everywhere, all at once. Have you seen the the trailer for that? I saw the trailer. That was it. Yeah, it looks wild, right? It's taking on these themes of multidimensionality, yeah. like, you know, parallel realities. There we go with parallel realities again. She's been uh, basically tasked with saving the world. Mm. And and it, to me, it's a real departure for Asian cinema, like they're, they're yeah. taking on all these really interesting themes. They have their own lead characters, right? They're, they're not investing in the West. Right. Like the West is tertiary or secondary sure. in the storyline, right? So I think it's really interesting. And I'm, and I'm happy that we're seeing these different versions of Asian cinema come out that are- yeah. that. No. I think it's cool. I think it's actually cool. I'm not, I'm not virtue signaling here, by the way. No, right, 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 right. Well, it's an evolution that, like I said, I guess in the old days, Hollywood had a stereotype of everything, right? And that was Hollywood's old stereotype. But now, you know, independent people from these countries are making their own cinema. So it's going to be, like I was saying earlier, more reflective of what's going on, you know, in these societies and everything, rather than funneling or filtering through like another lens. There was a period in the late fifties and the early sixties when uh, Hollywood was starting to make a lot of movies about Japan and China and, but uh, getting into Marlon Brando a lot lately. Okay. That Sayonara movie, right? He did. He did. He did, he did two Japanese movies in a row. The first one he didn't like because he actually played somebody who was Japanese. He didn't like it. And then he did another one after that. So the first one, let me see if I can find it, was where is it? The Tea House of the August Moon. I heard of it. Right, yeah. so he he plays a Japanese character named Sakini, hmm. and then he then the next movie he does is Sayonara, 
where he actually plays an American. So there was a lot of this like interesting crossover going on with like American movies. And, and it was almost like they were in a kind of a post-war way, right? We're going to introduce Japan. There were a few other ones too. I think Flower Drum Song. Flower Drum Song is another one, right? So, so it's post-war Marshall Plan. They're getting ready to start to mass produce products from Japan. Right. right? And so now we get this influx of cinema mm-hmm. where the rehumanization of Japanese starts to occur. Right. And again, it's Hollywood waving its magic wand, right? We're gonna we're going to, you know, recast this relationship and make the relationship friendly, palatable, honorable, and we're going to sell you a lot of Japanese shit along the way. Right. So I guess this is her talking about the movie. Sayonara. There was another movie was, I'm not sure if it was flower drum song, but it was Shirley MacLaine playing an Asian woman. You remember that movie? What was that? What was that? Yeah, but I don't remember the name. Yeah. That's another one of those films that was popular right around that time. Where the flower kind- drum song was more about Chinese something i don't know you know because nancy kwan who was the lead in that she's part chinese she's not japanese so uh but that i'm just saying it doesn't matter you know chinese japanese but at that time they were probably focused on both right chinese and japanese but right right yeah but i think it's interesting you you can just see these cycles of movies right like in the early 60s you have a lot of these films where they're even a movie like the sand pebbles which I think is Steve McQueen's first real star turn. And that's about Americans in China, um, just as the revolution is about to flip, right? The, the, the Maoists are starting to take control of the country. It's actually a really good movie. And the backdrop is that the Jesuits are there. Oh, wow. The Jesuits are in China. And Candace Bergen plays this young woman who's part of this Jesuit mission. That Steve McQueen falls in love with. I was getting that confused with Saipan for some reason. I know they're not related movies, but yeah. isn't there a movie called Saipan? Yeah, I do. So these movies come in waves, and there was a, certainly a wave of like Asian cinema, but it wasn't really Asian cinema. It was more American Hollywood cinema, version. Hollywood, right. Hollywood, right. like looking to the to the. Well, I guess for Hollywood, be looking to the West, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for content, for stories, but also the rehumanization of Japan. Yeah. Like they're they're not our enemies. Right. Like they're not our enemies. We love them. We're making movies about them. Please buy their shit. Right. It's oh, like that's an interesting take, but you're right. You know. So this is again, it's Hollywood with the baton. Right. Just like okay. Right. Here you go. No, that's absolutely. They're your friends now. Amazing. But that's, I mean, I, I thought of it that way, but I, you made it really clear, um, you know, how that is. I want to mention, speaking of movies, the correlation here, Memoirs of a Geisha, okay? Because this is more, that's not that era, right? This is after that. What was that from the 90s, I think? The Memoirs of the Geisha, which mm-hmm. was about, have you seen it? Is that with Joan Chen? Is Joan Chen uh, in that? Yeah, which ironically, I was texting you about Joan Chen. No, she wasn't in this. Oh. So, no, no, no. But Joan Chen and Anne Hage had some crazy lesbian scene in some movie. I think I texted. Are you ser- so are you serious? Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Joe yeah. Prime Joan Chen 
was smoking hot. She was smoking hot. Both at their prime, her and Anne did that. I was like, what? You know, and then not long after, I think she got together with Ellen. So, you know, but mm-hmm. I want to mention some about memoirs of the geisha that you might find interesting. Because this is more like in the 90s. So it's post 60s or whatever. Um, so memoirs of the geisha, the, the controversy about that, it was filmed in Kyoto, which is you know, where the geisha world is that and um but i don't know if you noticed most of the actresses most of them with the exception of the male lead and another female were chinese actresses they were not japanese okay which because i'm a very observant person when i was watching this movie okay i I just first want to say i'm not like racial or judgmental where i'm like well it's a Japanese movie about geisha world and stuff. So it has to be Japanese only. I mean, I'm not one of those people. However, I do have to say with this movie, I think using Chinese actresses, there was some reason for it. Okay. And I think it has, it was a prelude to this quote, China takeover of the world right now. This oh, is that's int- it's, it's interesting. It's like, okay, Japan, you, you've had your 20 year period. Yes. Like, yeah. step off, here comes China. But that thought came to me later because when I saw the movie, I'm like, I wasn't thinking in the political lens at that time, right? I was thinking, wait, wait a minute. I don't usually care if people play roles other than their own ethnic background. I'm not one of those people, as I said, but truthfully, Robert, if you saw the movie now, keeping in mind what I just told you, you'd be like, using Chinese actresses in this movie is completely miscast because... Because for the geisha world, because we're not talking about, oh, some woman behind a desk in an office and that's the storyline. No, no, that that's not that. This was about geishas, right? Which is a very Japanese thing. And when you looked at the body language of these Chinese actresses, sorry, it just didn't fit. They were not traditional Japanese and their mannerisms. Because a lot of times actors and actresses can't take on that role. If they do it right, they know what they're doing. And, you know, they're expressing that properly. But these actresses, I'm sorry, they were just, they would talk like this, like a Chinese person, you know, in a kimono. And I'm like, uh oh, total miscast. Okay. But now I realize there was a political reason for it. Now I know. Well, to your point, right? Uh-huh. Here's, here's, here's the movie. Yeah. You have Ken Watanabe, who's Japanese. He's a lead. And then you have Michelle Yeoh, who I just talked about, Gong Li and Zhang Jia. They're all Chinese. Suzuka Ogo, she might be Japanese. Yeah, there was like one or two Japanese females in there. But you're right. These are all Chinese women. The the producer is Spielberg. (laughs) Okay. He produced this movie. But I'm just sorry. It was so miscast. If you watch it, you should watch it. I mean, you'll know this is completely miscast. These Chinese actresses, not only do they look Chinese, okay, which is this is supposed to be Japan and geisha world, and yet they're talking, like I said, in this mannerism and total Chinese talk of way of talking. And I'm like, this isn't Japanese. It's a very poor, uh, you know, reenactment of that. So apparently it was banned in, in China. You see, there's a political reason for that. So, wow, interesting. I, I did not know about that. The, I think you should watch it and you'll notice. You might even now notice other things going on, right? Now that we know all this weirdness, like you might be like, oh my God, I found another weird quality about this movie. 
Yeah. Well, well, Michelle Yeoh, when she when she was cast, even the movie Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which I think is a great movie, um, it's the first time we see a woman really take the lead in a martial arts movie. Right. So that movie was a game changer. Mm-hmm. And it was in some ways setting the tone for what was going to come with future movies with quote unquote female action leads. The, mm-hmm. the, the problem with the rest of those movies is that they were scripted to fit an agenda. Right. Whereas Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon may have had that unintentionally as a subtext but that's not what the intent of the movie was. Right. So when it's done like that, it, it comes across as being cinema or art. Mm-hmm. But when you come across a film that is like, you know, pedagog, pedagog, not pedagog, what's the word I'm looking for? When you come across a movie that is specifically catered and tailored for an agenda or message, right. it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can have all the right, oh, we're going to get this character and this character and this character, and they're going to represent, you know, this group and this group and this group, and we're going to have this villain who represents this group, and there's going to be all these political undertones with it. Usually those movies are just shit. Yeah. They're shit. Um, Because art doesn't really work that way. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's not didactic. Art is not didactic. Yeah. And when it tries to be, it's, it's a big fail, total fail. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, 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 uh, you know, I'm bummed that uh, Daryl didn't show up today, but I'm happy that you were here today and we could talk about this. I'm so happy. Finally, you know, we did this kind of a um, venue and yeah, this is very interesting. Definitely. And this is a topic that you could just talk so much about because things are always happening too. Right. Yeah. And again, I I think the whole idea is like the program, the script, the, 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 the realities, right. The, the program that might just be baked into the realm that just assembles elements and people at certain times to kind of reaffirm the realm. Right. I mean, I think that that's another thing to look at here. Now, can it be pushed along by certain people that are invested in maintaining the realm? Sure. Absolutely. Um, so these are ideas that are, are, are uh, on the table as we try to understand the weird nature of the world and the times that we're living in. Because we're, yeah. we're not in Kansas anymore. No. And maybe Kansas, maybe Kansas was never Kansas to begin with. So that's a whole other story. Um, you want to tell people about your show, where they can find you? Sure. Um, Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. That's not the only way you can listen to it. There's other venues. You can also hook into the show. Um, my show is Wild at Heart. That's what it's called. And it's on, on, I'm in West Coast time. So that would be 9 p.m. Monday nights, 9 to 11 p.m. Studio A. Um, let me see. And so on the East Coast, it would be midnight Tuesday. And wherever you are, you just have to calculate the time. And um, I talk a lot about different things. Lately, I've been playing video clips, which I didn't do before. But I've been doing that to kind of bring in new topics. Um, I talk about current events, um, astrology, human design a little bit, health, um, 
what else? Uh, everything, you know, I'm pretty open. And um, yeah, so please listen in. And um, oh, by the way, I want to say that on when I when I go on the sidebar on your show, on these shows that you do, um, I'm assuming in there. So people, oh, I know my name, yeah, cool. my name is Noreen, but on that, I'm Masumik. That's my Google name. So I know people, sometimes I go, oh, I'm actually Noreen, you know, so whatever. So now you know. I think I remember that. Yeah, I think you told me that before. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's who you are. Good. All right. We, we reconnected those dots. Okay. Yeah. Well, listen, Noreen, thank you for being here and coming on short oh, notice. Thank, you. No, thank just, you for welcoming me. That was awesome. I'm just having a chat. It was good to see your face. And, and, uh, despite this weird, uh, lighting and all that, I mean, no, I think the, no, the, the light got better once you kind of like dealt with that side light. It, it, yeah. it, it, I took it my glasses off because that was also trip like, wow. So the whole thing. Yeah. Right. So you just adjusted reality a little bit. Okay. Noreen, have a great day. Uh, great, great weekend. Listen in on her show. Thank you. She does a great job. She has some guests every now and then I've yes. been on there. Um, so I guess, I guess we're good. Have a, have a, yeah. have a, have a wonderful weekend. We'll, we'll, get, we'll catch up later. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. So Noreen Helphand the host of wild at heart. And uh, so John Levi had said that he would be on the show. If he hadn't packed up his barbecue, he was John Levi was, I wouldn't want to, he'll probably find this out, but John was plan B. Laurie was plan A. So it worked out fine. And I want to thank her again for being here. Thank you for being here. And we'll be back on Sunday night with Sunday Night Astro Live, and I'm sure we'll have, as always, plenty to talk about. Uh, in the meantime, we, we're still in the full moon wave, and I'll leave you with a quote from Hunter S. Thompson, who I don't often quote because I don't think Hunter S. Thompson was really the best representation of uh, humanity, as we found out. But uh, the quote is, when the going gets weird, the weird get going. And under this Aquarian moon, consider yourself activated. This is Robert Phoenix. We'll see you on Sunday night. Bye for now. Oh, Chataria, thank you for being here. As always, thanks to the mods for doing your thing.